My dog is absolutely 100% more excited to go waterfowl hunting than I am. Typically, once a year, we try to go out and have four guys on the boat so we can bring home 40 crab and do a nice crab cook in the backyard. And I mean, who doesn't like Dungeness crab? That's, that's about as good as it gets. To me, it's night and day. I feel like you get spoiled when you have fresh fish from the ocean caught all the time. And you go do store-bought, and it's, I almost can't enjoy it. Um, there's, there's some folks at my office where I work. They're definitely not pro-hunting. And you look at them and like, oh, would you like me to bring you some of the meat? And to this day, I've never had somebody say no. And when you do bring it to them, they are beyond grateful as though this is a, a special gift. All of a sudden, we're sitting there and we hear what sounds like the start of a triathlon when you have you know thousands of people jump in the water and start swimming. Maybe about a mile away, we see a pod of what had to be about 5,000 dolphins. And realize it's not all about that busy city life. There's, there's a lot more to it if you just get out and just kind of enjoy it. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. I'll put that nonsense down. All right, guys, so we are here at the... uh, there, as, as usual, we're at the International Sportsman's Expo. There is all kinds of awesome background noise. We're, uh, we're upstairs, upstairs. Upstairs. Some not here. as often, awesome <laughs> as others. Yeah. <laughs> upstairs here in the Real Foul booth. I'm hanging out with Mr. Rob Smiley of Real Foul and Mr. Joey Ploche of California Hunting Addiction. We, we're here on Sunday. Uh, end of the weekend last day of the show <laughs> kind of winding down everyone's everyone's feeling a little rough here but <laughs> <laughs> thank you guys for uh sitting down hopping on the show yeah Excellent. no problem thanks for having us <laughs> it rob, rob saying thank you if we're being if we're being honest here was it i, I had to do some convincing to get him on a small amount <laughs> he, he prevailed uh, so, i'm, I'm obnoxious enough to uh yes. to keep bugging him I'd, I'd prefer to use persistent, not persistent. <laughs> yes, it's, he, Rob's, He's so nice. He's so kind. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, well, I feel no. like I have to be nice because you're the one doing the editing, and I'm the one doing the talking. <laughs> <laughs> and exactly. the, the punishment could be beyond what I could handle. Uh, so. There we go. I like that. I like yes. you can use that to my advantage. Yes, um, as you should. But so, what I always like to start out a little bit with is just have you guys uh, each maybe go through a little bit just about yourselves, your background, uh, you know, start with you, Rob. How'd you, how'd you initially get into hunting and fishing, the outdoors, all of that? All right. Um, grew up in Southern California, did a lot of ocean fishing with my grandfather, um, typically for rockfish, things like that over in the Catalina Island area. Um, 
Also, when I was growing up, uh, my parents had a, a cabin up in the Green Valley area. So did a lot of uh, shore lake fishing for trout there. Um, all planter trout, but still, nonetheless, kid fishing is a kid fishing. <laughs> um, moved up to uh, Chico in the late 90s and kind of waterfowl mecca up there. So one thing led to another and waterfowl moved into big game and try to fish and hunt as often as possible now, which led me to start in real fowl outdoors um, in an apparel company that kind of fits my lifestyle and hopefully represents the lifestyle that people are trying to live with as well. Awesome. Yeah. Joey, how about you? How'd you get your, uh, how'd you get into hunting? I grew up with a family in uh, San Jose and our entire family, our lives kind of revolve around hunting and being in the outdoors the whole time. So just kind of, kind of something I grew up doing the whole time and do a lot of hunting in Livermore. We have family ranch out there, so it made it easy, a little bit more accessible to hunt and kind of grow up with that lifestyle. And so you run the uh, California Hunting Addiction uh, yes. Instagram page. Um, that's uh, I remember that was one of the one of the things kind of when I was starting my Instagram. I was looking and like, well, you know, I'm here in Los Angeles. I'm in California. There's got to be there's got to be other people out there that are like, there's got to be something at least a little inspiration out there for me to look for. Like, okay, I'm not like completely on my own. <laughs> so I think I I think I just. Uh, literally initially just did a search for California hunting and started following all the pages that came up and yeah. uh, yours was one of the first ones and uh, and then I remember you know I was following for a while and I'd you know seen pictures here and there and we were uh, went out to total archery challenge yep and I think uh, you guys were walking by going to going to sight in your bows or whatever and uh, I was like hey California <laughs> yeah that was definitely definitely different running into someone from california all the way up in utah yep. we had a, we had quite the quite the california contingent out there that's for sure we did there's a good group of us out there but so we're out here in california you know most of most of the people i interview you know i've, I've had a few folks from california jeremiah dowdy i just talked with chad mendez uh I, I just don't think you know people people look at california and they don't think hunting think of beaches and that's why i think most people beaches in hollywood <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty much my life but there we have a lot of public land out here a lot more than i think people realize you know once again people immediately think san francisco hollywood maybe san diego um thinking the beaches thinking the cities thinking the movie theaters all of that mm-hmm. um there's a lot of options out there and i think it's you know, very diverse on what we have accessible to us and there's a a whole lot of lot of opportunities with that I, that I think people you know yeah it's it's not as likely that any of us are going to get an elk tag anytime soon applying here in California. I'm 14 years applying, <laughs> and I'm praying still. Oh man, getting a Thule elk tag would be that that would be a dream. But uh, you know, there's some amazing fishing out here. There's some fantastic uh, pig hunting. There's turkey. There's tons of waterfowl. There's, I mean, blacktail, one of the few places on earth you can hunt blacktail deer, mm-hmm. you know, pretty much here in Alaska, I think. Um, Oregon. Yeah, up the coast. Yep. And hey, there's something year-round, whether it's as, as duck hunting season ends, sturgeon fishing starts to pick up. Um, following quickly after that, you have turkey and striped bass. And then before you know it, you're back into uh, A-zone archery opening, and 
it's just a kind of a nice perpetual cycle. There's always something to be going outdoors and uh, pursuing. You know, I mean, we don't really have that long of a deer season, which was that was the one thing I, I realized really quickly because I, I was kind of like just getting into hunting late, late in the year. I got back from a trip to Mississippi with my ex and, uh, you know, we'd been, we'd been doing some hunting out there and I came back. I'm like, all right, I want to, I want to do some more. And then I'm, I'm looking at all the regs and everything. I'm like, and there's no hunting here. I was like, there's a, there's like one late season archery tag that's around Los Angeles, but I mean, it's also San Gabriel mountains. There's really, there's, I think a whole three deer in, in the entirety of it. <laughs> I've, I've seen a few does walking around Griffith Park before, but I think I might I might get in trouble if I uh, go start, that way. Perhaps start shooting deer on the city of Los Angeles property. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, talking about fishing, like I mean, I grew up lake fishing, kind of the same thing, stock stock trout uh, for the most part. I grew up uh, fishing in um, like Sequoia National Forest, Kings Canyon area, up uh, Hume Lake up there. But there's, I mean, a lot of awesome fishing um both ocean fishing that's one of the that's one of the cool parts i feel like about living here in california is you do have such a variety of options you know you can you can be deep sea fishing one day you can be at a a, a mountain lake the next day you know you could be up in up in the hills uh, in 90 degree weather chasing bobcats and pig and <laughs> i mean you do get more of a variety than i think a lot of places within what you know within four hours easily four hours anywhere yeah. oh yeah i mean we have public opportunities here we're actually in the same day you can duck hunt quail hunt and go striped bass fishing all within once you're to the place within just a few miles of each other so i mean you got to work for it you got to drive there's always a lot of competition out there but the possibilities are pretty endless so we are pretty fortunate particularly in northern california for that so i've never been of, of all the things you know i kind of jumped in with both feet and my head and I'm pretty sure I hit my head on the bottom of the pool when it comes to hunting um but uh you know most people tend to start out with uh stuff like yeah like like duck hunting quail going out something that's a little more plentiful a little more action-packed and a little less uh injury prone I guess (laughs) (laughs) so I've never I've never actually been quail hunting duck hunting um what are the what are the seasons like for that here in California? Um, duck hunting is basically end of October to end of January, um, with the exception of some late season goose hunting and early season goose. Um, so roughly 100 days. Um, it's an interesting season though. It starts out real good, then you know we hit November and slow and the, slow November. Yeah, slow November comes around, <laughs> and uh, this year it was also slow December. But um, <laughs> you know the duck hunting is such a uh, a sport that relies on weather, so. Um, we're kind of at the mercy of that, but fortunately here in California in the last week or so, duck hunting's really started to pick back up. Um, so it's, at least we get to end the season on a good note. Um, so, and then quail season runs parallel of a portion of, uh, of duck season. So, and the nice thing about quail, you can, you don't have to, you can actually do it after a morning of duck hunting. Um, assuming that you have a dog that really helps, um, typically, you know, different kind of dog than what we do waterfowl hunting with. Um, but, but quail is a great way to take a kid out. It's a pretty controlled environment as well. Um, you know, you can walk along basically uh, like fire trails and, and the best part is you're getting outside. It's a good way to take people that are new to the sport, um, kind of in a controlled environment, introduce people to something. Um, shotgun has a very low effective range. <laughs> so good, good reasons there as well. It's a good social hunt. You're able to go with a bunch of buddies and 
go for a hike and you kind of can kick back versus deer season, trying to be quiet, trying to hike around where quail you can walk around, talk with everyone. You don't have to be super quiet and you have to watch a dog work or then, or otherwise you try to be the dog and you try to get the quail up. But yeah. it's that's definitely. Actually, and that's actually one of the most enjoyable parts about both Upland and Waterfowl is getting to bring a dog into the mix too. I mean, exactly. My dog is absolutely 100% more excited to go waterfowl hunting than I am. <laughs> they just know when it's time. He sees a camo shirt or something my backpack get out to go. If we're going to go um, sleep it at the duck blind. He paces back and forth in the house from door to door and absolutely will not let me get out of the house without him going. <laughs> it's, it's borderline on insanity, but that's kind of the makings of a good dog, though. So uh, That's awesome. That's yeah. I mean, you know, as you, as you guys can probably hear here in the background, like I said, we're at the, the Sportsman's Expo, and uh, we are in the middle of Duck Call Central, I think, is about as much as it can get. And You know, it's interesting. One of the things I love about, love about elk hunting is the idea of calling, calling an elk. It's, you know, it's a strategy. It's a game. It's, it's super interesting. It's a whole other skill to learn. Um, and I've heard, I've heard people refer to uh, elk as like thousand pound ducks or thousand pound turkeys before um just because it's uh, it's such a similar i mean obviously it's a yes it's a very different experience but it's uh to some extent a lot of the strategy is the same with calling speaking them the in language and speaking the language getting getting them to come to you and just making sure you're in the right spot when they come by but it's a big game yep it's all it is a game learning how they react to your calls if you're doing it right or you're doing it wrong you'll find out real quick <laughs> Yeah, as far as calling goes, I have a particular duck hunting moment that sticks out in my mind. That's you know, you get one of those moments where everything works just right, and it's, you don't, you typically don't forget it. Um, a day, I don't know, maybe five, six years ago, I'm sitting looking to the north by myself, hunting with just my dog and I, and a um, Drake mallard comes flying from over my head. I look up and I see all I'm seeing now is just wings and uh, tail feathers. Give a couple quick quacks. Duck hits the brakes, turns around, comes right back in. Stand up, one shot, bird drops, dog goes out, brings me back the bird, and had a beautiful mallard right there. And just moments like that, being able to use the call, convince nature that you're what they're looking for. The stars aligned. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, it's awesome. That's such a cool thing. Like when it's that, that perfect moment, it's like, it's, it's okay, this is exactly how it's supposed to happen. This is what the book said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... Of course, you have those days where you have a whole bunch of birds come in at once, and those are awesome. Those are a lot of fun, but it's when that, those kind of get clustered up in a bit of chaos, but when everything is really under control and that happens that way, it really makes it a good, good experience. No, the cool thing definitely, you get a lot more of the social aspect, I think, with the Upland game and the, you know, we kind of hit on that a little bit. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it's more of a relaxed, fun, you're not... You know, you're not spending as much as you are with uh, with some of these, you know, backpack hunts, these big game hunts, whatever they are. I mean, if we're talking, you know, we're talking a, a day out. Yeah. I mean, it. I guess it has its. It equals out. I think it's all pretty much the same. You're still going to be. It's one thing after another with gear and tweaking stuff, trying to figure out what works for you. Duck calls for one. You just never know. It just. It always adds up somehow, one way or another. <laughs> duck calls kind of turn into fishing lures. You know, yep. you can't have enough of them. So, I guess I'll give it, you. It, it adds up quickly. I'll give you that. And I, I will. I will say that uh, elk calls can tend to be a little bit cheaper than duck calls. <laughs> so I guess it, I guess it does balance out. But 
At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. What you guys, as as California residents, what would you guys say are some of the some of the negatives living here in California as far as when it comes to being a hunter, an angler, uh, an outdoorsman? Oh well, for sure, just the the negative perception about guns and killing an animal, um, the regulations that kind of go with it as well. However, a lot of those people that are you know view you very negative for for wanting to harvest an animal, um, you know they go to the store and buy a cow, you know. I don't really know if I see any difference. In fact, the biggest benefit is I know exactly what, how the meat's been handled from the time the animal's been harvested until it gets to my freezer. Um, so there's, there's huge benefits, but yeah, the negatives for that, you, I'm sure just like Joey knows, just from the stickers that he has on his vehicle and identifies him <laughs> as a hunter. Um, yeah, you know, from hate pe- messages. Pe- people view him pretty negatively. And, yeah. You know, that's, that's the ironic part about it, right, is that these people that think that what we're doing is wrong but then they decide that they're going to be hateful. That's Wish us death, and they're against killing, but would oh rather God. see you Isn't get that hurt. It's the oldest, oldest story in the book is, you know, someone on the PETA Reddit or whatever it is, you know, posts up a hunter's photo, then all of a sudden it's thousands of hate messages and just spamming that person. And Yeah, um, they're totally against hunting and killing, but they're wishing death on them. It's, oh, yeah. It's bizarre. And it's, you know, I go through those and, and I get, I get super, super aggressive in, in my head sometimes. And I'm like, no, just don't respond. Well, like, and that's actually a huge opportunity for, for hunters to, um, you know, prevail on that sort of a situation there and, and be the more level-headed person. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking and, of that, and, too, with Cameron and, Haynes with his most recent post. Oh, my gosh, uh, that was money. Yeah, he did it in a good way, in a smart way to educate an anti-hunter where... That's where everyone was. He goes, you don't respond to them. You just kind of ignore them. But it's a way to start educating at that point. And yeah. That's what he did. I think he did it very well off that last post. Yeah. For those, for those that don't know, what happened is uh, Hannah Barron recently got posted up. Um, she, uh, somebody, I, I can't remember which photo it was. I think it was her holding some back straps or something. Yeah. But, you know, somebody posted it up on a, on a PETA page, whatever it was, and uh, you know, slew of hate comes in, and uh, it was all kind of centered around one person that made this post. You know, sometimes it's just a single post that a ton of people share, uh, but this one was super centered around one person that really just wanted to pick a fight and thought they had the upper hand. And I, Cam, I think, first messaged them privately and said, take the post down. It's disrespectful, uh, and it's, it was a cheap shot. And they, and they fired back with some just nasty, hateful message, and he posted up and he basically said, he's like, this is a fight you're going to lose. Like, take it down or you're going to lose that fight. And, uh, and he posted it up and... I believe Instagram took it down, took down her post. Uh, yeah, I can't remember if Instagram took it down or she ended up taking it down. Yeah. But there were, after that, there was all kinds of people messaging Cam being like, oh, why are you picking on, you know, poor so-and-so? Yeah. You know, it was like message after message making her, her out to be the victim. And, you know, he didn't, wasn't vulgar about it. He just 
pretty much told her to take it down. And it was, yeah. But there's there's been a few I've responded to. Um, it depends. You can kind of tell, I think, from the message, you know. How it's going to go. How it's going to go, yeah. I mean, and there's there's been a few. And if I can give a quick response that that talks about conservation and how hunting actually works and maybe touch on, you know, this is this is run by state biologists. This is not just a bunch of redneck hunters going out in the woods and blowing stuff away, which, yeah, that happens. But those, you know, those type of people don't last long in, in the hunting community. It's the you know? few bad apples that yeah. kind of bring it off. And the hunters will be the first one to call those people out. It's, this is, I've said it many times before, is I've just noticed... Because it makes all of us look bad, and none of us want to, none of us want to see our rights stripped away because of dumb crap other people do. Yeah, we want to be able to continue to enjoy our public land and have opportunities to get outdoors. So yeah. So I mean, we talked about some of the variety that's available in California. What what would you guys say are some of the other maybe benefits of of living uh, living on this big old West Coast state uh, as far as when it comes to hunting, hunting and angling? I don't know. I think. The diversity of being able to go to the high country and you're hunting the mule deer, blacktail mixes, and then you can go to low country and go hunt pigs the next day. It's just that's that's what I like. You're able to do so much different different hunts so quick within a short short distance. Yeah, so that's yeah. And then on the angling side, just having so many concurrent seasons for um, you know a great example is rockfish season running concurrent with a portion of uh, crab season and. I mean, who doesn't like Dungeness crab? That's that's about as good as it gets, you know. Um, typically, once a year, we try to go out and um, have four guys on the boat so we can bring home 40 crab, um, invite a, a fair number of people over to our house and, and do a nice crab cook in the backyard. And it's something everybody looks forward to every year and a good reason to get together. So it's it's pretty awesome. That's There's, there's always good opportunities. You know, it's funny. Uh, just something you mentioned, it reminds me of something, too. I was talking about well, with Chad earlier. Um, you know, he was talking too about he'll bring, you know, he'll he'll take an animal, whatever, and he'll bring bring meat out, and like he he's like, yeah, I have like goodie bags that I give to my my team members and stuff like that with fresh organic meat, and it's one of those things where yeah, you'll have people over, you know, for for crab boils or whatever it whatever it is, you know, you'll you'll bring people, you know, venison sausage and things like that. Who you know who on earth would go to the store like? buy a you know two pounds of ground beef and be like go to their neighbor and be like here i got this for you (laughs) but wild game you know it's it's something special about wild game whether that's fish whether that's you know venison whether that's pig it's there's something special about it to where it's it's shared among the community and it's enjoyed by so many more people um it goes beyond just gratification for and even if even if that gratification is something good, like providing for your family, but it, it goes beyond that. And uh, I think you you know people don't realize how many people it actually affects when yeah. you when you're out hunting. Uh, it, it's an absolute positive effect, and it's actually a way to um, get people to have a little more positive view on the actual sport itself. Um, there's there's some folks um, at my office where I work who are I wouldn't cl- classify them as anti hunters, but they're definitely not pro hunting and when you you tell them about where you've been or where you're going, they start to get this real curious look on their face. And it's like, and you look at them and you're like, oh, would you like me to bring you some of the meat? And today, I've to this day, I've never had somebody say no. And when you do bring it to them, they are beyond grateful as though this is a, a special gift. And mm-hmm. um, 
it's it's definitely a really good way to to add a positive light to the sport. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I've got a friend uh, who is, for the most part, she's a somewhere between a pescatarian and a vegetarian. You know, doesn't really eat red meat, doesn't eat chicken, but she'll she'll have some fish and some sushi and stuff like that. And we were, uh, you know, we were talking when we first met, and uh, I'd mentioned that you know I was into hunting. I ran the podcast, and she's like, "Oh yeah, that's the that's the only only red meat I'll, I will ever eat is is like wild game." And like, I was, it's one of the, it was one of those conversations that was really funny because I was kind of, I was talking with her. And I'm like, do I do I really want to open this this can of worms right now? And like, because I I knew she was a little more on that other side of things, and I just didn't know what the response was going to be, and I wasn't in the mood to have the two hour discussion <laughs> about why hunting isn't evil. Um, but I mentioned it, and she was like, oh no, I just you know. You know, my my cousins used to always bring home deer, and it's the best thing, and that's the only meat I'll eat because it's you know it's super organic and it's it's clean, and I know where it's been. It, you know, I know the animals, you know, weren't mistreated or anything like that, and um, so I think it's it's definitely something that can really change hearts and minds when you come at it from sharing that sharing that food and the the super organic. Uh, aspect of it and the health aspects of it it's it's an easy way to change hearts and minds about hunting yeah i think one of the um the only challenges that it's caused for me is particularly let's um if you go salmon fishing um if you haven't been salmon fishing in the ocean and actually seen the color of the meat when you fillet it right there on the spot um the, the taste difference between what you buy in the store and what you get there is incredible but then the next time you go to the store and you see the fillets behind the counter it's actually really difficult to buy them because <laughs> they add color they always look pale, and the salmon, when you get them in the ocean, it's, it's a, um, just a crimson red color. And yeah. um, you know what you're getting is different when you do it that way. And the taste on top of it, too. Yeah. It's, to me, it's night and day. I feel like you get spoiled when you have fresh fish from the ocean caught all the time. And you go to do store-bought, and it's, to me, it's night and day difference where I almost can't enjoy it as it, one is from when you catch them yourself. Ends up completely in. ruining you on on the convenience oh. uh, convenience aspect of it. Exactly, exactly. But um. that's what that's what it's about. It makes it fun. You get to you know where everything comes from. And actually, you never know what you're going to see when you go out, mm-hmm. whether it's hunting or fishing. Um, the Wednesday before Thanksgiving this year, um, we was down on the Central Coast, and we were going to go um, out after some rockfish. So had a really successful day out there. All of a sudden, we're sitting there, and we hear what sounds like the start of a triathlon when you have you know, thousands of people jump in the water and start swimming. We're looking around, can't see anything that would you know, produce that kind of noise. Maybe about a mile away, we see a pod of what had to be about 5,000 dolphins. Oh, dang. Yes, and fortunately, they were actually coming right our way. Um, I can share some of the video with you later in photos, but we had about 5,000 dolphins swimming around us and jumping all over the boat, and... Um, you know, fishing rods went away, and just to enjoy this moment, and it's you're not going to see this or ever get to experience this staying at your home on or staying at your couch on the at home. So, um, you that's, know, it, that's one thing you get when you're one of the those fringe benefits that you get uh, when you're outside when you're outside doing this stuff. You know, you're you're not you weren't out there going on a dolphin watch. No, you know, you know, you're out in the woods. You. You may, who knows what, what you're hunting for, but you may come across, checking out this video right now. Oh, my gosh. That's awesome. That's so cool. Oh, my gosh. Like, I've gone surfing with the dolphins before, mm-hmm. 
Like all, see all that confused water back there? That's all. That's gnarly. Um, yeah, I've gone surfing. Like, but I'll be, I'd be out surfing, whatever, and I'd, you'd look down like, or in the side of a wave, and there'd be a dolphin right next to you. But it's one of those amazing fringe benefits when you are out. I think one of the things you people don't realize when you're hunting is you, when you're hunting or you're fishing, you kind of have more of a hyper-awareness, too. Yeah. And you're even stuff, like even if you were out watching, you know, Gosh, that's amazing. You're you're taking part in it. It's so different oh, wow. than just uh, just being out there hiking and sightseeing, you know. And you're back. You're back where people don't normally go typically. Yeah. It's... Um. At least you know, depending on how you hunt, and that's different for everyone. But generally, you're away from people, and you're seeing the animals in a light that you're seeing nature in a light that no, not many people get to see it in. Yeah. And it's an it's exciting It's kind of unexplainable thing. at times, the things you get to see while you're hunting or even fishing, like with the dolphins or just being able to sit back and just kind of take it all in on the bigger picture. You could sit back and just realize there's it's a lot more enjoyable to when you're hunting. You get to see, like, does with the fawns walking around, and you're able to kind of take it in and, and realize it's not all about that busy city life. There's there's a lot more to it if you just get out and mm-hmm. just kind of enjoy it. So and actually for me, one of I think on a regular basis, one of my um, parts I enjoy most is prior to the uh, whether the hunt or the fishing trip is the planning for it. You know, um, whether that's a day before going to the ocean and or a week before and watching tide charts and swells and knowing how that's going to impact the way the fishing is going to be. Or whether you're going to be going duck hunting that weekend and you're looking at the moon cycle and wind and just the how much of an impact weather ends up having on or nature has on what, what you're doing out there. So it's the planning for it. So you get to start thinking about it all week ahead of time, whether it's packing, whether it's you know, researching new gear, whether it's studying the weather, um, whether it's you know, a month or two months ahead of um, archery season opening up and it's putting game cams out in public land. Um, then going back and hopefully seeing some pictures of something you're targeting. Um, so it's a lot more than just that actual day, too. So yeah, it, it, you can make it a lot bigger than, than just that. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears. Multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. All right, so... Maybe you could do your next podcast from the boat. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I've Actually, I've always wanted to do a, a podcast, uh, like a live one from a, a hunting trip or a, or a boat. But fun. we're back. Um, if, uh, if people wanted to find... Uh, Real Foul online, where are they going to be looking? Uh, www.realfowl.com. And that is real as in a fishing reel and Absolutely. foul as in the birds. Yes. Not to be confused with any other way to <laughs> interpret it. <laughs> I However mean, easy that may be. Because <laughs> it's, it's not a play on words whatsoever. Not at all. Not at all. Um, I think I'm the first person to ever come up with a business name that's a play on words. <laughs> I'm, I mean, amazing. Yeah. That's why they pay you the big bucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and you're on Instagram as well. Yes. At Real Foul Outdoors. All right. And we got uh, Joey. It's California Hunting Addiction underscores between all the words, right? Correct. Correct. All right. So 
as we're uh, kind of winding down with this one, you know, you guys both know this is geared more towards new hunters, people learning to get into the outdoors, figuring stuff out. Uh, if somebody came to you and and said, you know, I want to get into hunting or I want to get into to fishing or, you know, whatever it is, but I just, I don't have a background in it. I don't really know anyone that does it. I, I'm super intimidated. There's a lot to learn. What would you tell this person? What, uh, what advice would you give them? What recommendations? Oh, I think depending on what you're going to be targeting, it's, there's tons of people out there whose businesses specialize in taking people out for um, hunting and fishing trips. You know, going with a guide is a great way to go. It's not a, I think some people view it as, um, you know, admitting that you can't do something. But in fact, you're going to go with somebody who's a professional and you'll learn more in that one day going out with them than you'd learn in probably four or five years trying to figure it out by yourself. So, um, and you'll, it'll actually also end up saving you a lot of very expensive mistakes. So one day with an outfitter is definitely something to do. Um, it's what gonna, expensive mistakes like uh, tearing the meniscus in both of your knees in Idaho and having to go in for <laughs> surgery, things like that? Or, um, yeah, anything, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yep. And there's, there's tons of guides, particularly in the, uh, the Bay Area here, who um, do fishing trips on the Delta. The Delta is just an amazing fishery. And yeah, that, that's, that's where I would start. Or you can get involved in one of your local um, like Ducks Unlimited chapters or California Waterfowl Association. Um, there's the Mule Deer Association. So there's all those, those different kind of places where, I mean, they'll even have hunts they're offering at them that, that guides have donated. And then also you're going to be contributing to a great organization like Ducks Unlimited or California Waterfowl, which absolutely protects our rights and our ability to do that. So those are the, those are the ways that I navigate getting into the, the world with that and, um, you know, I'm sure even if you sit down at a random table there and you're halfway social, you may end up meeting somebody who'd be willing to take you out to whether it be a, a duck blind or out on a fishing trip. Um, I think most hunters are pretty into taking people out for new experiences like that um, just because we always need to be recruiting more people to participate in the sport. So that's, that's what I would do. Joey, what about you? What advice would you give that person? I think on top of the guides, I think the guides is a great idea because you get that experience of how to do things the right way for the most part on what you need to do, how to do it, the whole process from the start to the finish to ending up with like the field dressing and all that. But also on social media, I mean, social media is a huge help. Reach out to different people and, and it's hard. I mean, a lot of people have their honey holes that they don't want to share. They don't want to let you know where to hunt, but you'll also find people that are willing to take you out. I mean, some of my best friends now, I met on Facebook and Instagram and we went out in a hunt or they took me out and I took them out and now we're really good friends. Some of my best friends actually. Um, but yeah, just reach out to people and, and start talking, asking questions. Another big thing is you don't know something someone does and they're willing to help you out. If you find the right person, they'll definitely be willing to help you out with it. So, and I think if you show that you're, willing to put in the put in the work that you're not you're not looking for them to tell you where to hunt that's the biggest thing is not just flat out asking you like i get it a lot on my instagram i'll shoot a pig and a hundred questions i'll come in that will come in through instagram is where'd you shoot that pig at it was i've never shot one but where'd you shoot it and it a lot of public land gets blown up quick but if i have a guy saying hey i first time hunting like and doesn't even ask about a spot, but how do you do it? Where? What do you look for? What, what do you got to do? I'm more willing to help someone out like that than someone that just wants to have a spot to go hunt. So that's a big thing is how you go about asking it on top of it. 
Definitely show you're not looking for a shortcut. Exactly. You're you're willing to you're work willing for to it. work for it, but you just you know you want to you, you want to get that, some info on what you need to know yeah, to be able to do that work to, to figure out what to do and how to do it. So well, guys, thank you so much for uh, sitting down, uh, taking the time out as we're winding down here. I'm getting ready to go head out and hop on a train for the nice long trek back to Los Angeles. But <laughs> thanks again for hopping on. Yeah, right on. Thank, Thank you, you for having, having us. us. Boom, and we're done. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com. A life that has the stories to back it, a life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6'8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Four in the morning. Join me, Chef Jean-Paul Bourgeois, and the whole crew here at Duck Camp Dinners every Monday at 8 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. Birds up